Hey there, and welcome to this Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, exclusive home of Cubs Checking, featuring free ATMs nationwide. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. I'm Cole Wright at your service, riding shotgun with myself. It's my guy from Marquee Sports Network, Tony Andraki, and there's plenty ahead on the show. We'll dive into that in, in due time, of course, as we always do here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. But in the meantime, Tony, what's going on, man? How you been since last time we crossed paths? Hey, doing well. Uh, this doesn't feel like the beginning of summer. It's Memorial Day weekend, and uh, that's supposed to be the beginning of summer. I mean, I guess weather-wise it does, but I don't know. It just feels weird. I mean, I saw that this is the first Memorial Day since 1880 that oh. there's no Major League Baseball game. So it really just bummed me out and just really like how much I missed the game and wish that there was that we were two months into the season by now. And, you know, no baseball, and it was the first Sunday in five weeks with, as much as it hurts me to say it, no last dance. I mean, it, it, oh, was, yeah. it was tough, but, we, you know, there was the Lance Armstrong thing. I don't know if, if you caught that at all. No, I didn't, yeah. Uh, right. I, was, I was out in uh, Michigan just getting away for a bit with no internet, no cable. It was pretty pretty nice, I can't, I got to say. All right, well, that's always good. If anyone wants to check that one out, I'm sure it's, it's going to be an interesting watch as the weeks progress. But in the meantime, we're still – inching our way to see what happened back in that summer between Big Mac and Slam and Sammy. I'm sure that's a topic we'll address on many Cubs weekly podcasts to come right here. But in the meantime, uh, you know, the current state of affairs when it comes to baseball getting back to normal, we've seen so many different plans of attack. We saw originally Arizona, then Arizona, Florida, then Arizona, Florida, Texas, you know, and now things seem to be streamlined to each and every single team playing in their home stadium. Of course, with no fans, that's a projected plan as it stands right now. And uh, Tony, uh, a few weeks ago, you were able to catch up with Lou Pinella and he gave his thoughts on that and among a whole bunch of other things. And we always know that sweet Lou is a good listen. So let's have a listen. As a manager, how do you think you would have handled this shutdown? Um, something of this magnitude where it's April and May and there suddenly is no baseball going on. Well, it couldn't, it couldn't have happened at a worse time for major league baseball. I mean, uh, spring training was just about completed. Uh, the players uh, were getting in shape, ready to start the season, and all of a sudden, um, everything was shut down. Um, they've got to start all over. It's going to take them another month to, to get get started, uh, to get these guys back in shape. The pitchers need probably 15 or 20 innings of, 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 of pitching. Uh, the hitters probably need uh, another 25 or 30 at bats, so they're going to have to be. They're, they're going to have to uh, play quite a few exhibition games to get everybody back started. And if you've got a younger team, it'll be a little easier for you because younger players get in shape much quicker. But if your team's a little more established and a little older, it's going to take longer. But you can't rush it either because. You can get people hurt awfully quick, especially uh, the pitchers with their with their with their throwing arms. I mean, uh, the relievers are going to have to uh, pitch probably a half a dozen times or, or more. Uh, they're going to have to pitch back to back games. That takes a while. The, the starters are going to have to be stretched out where they can go at least uh, five, six, seven innings. And then the hitters, they get their timing back and so forth. Uh, you, you, you've got to give them 25 or 30 at bat. So it's going to take a good month uh, for, for, for uh, this to, to, to transpire. It's not going to happen overnight. 
and it's amazing that you you can work out in the gym all you want, but boy, when you're not on the field doing baseball-related activities, you get out of shape very, very quickly. And I'm glad you brought up injuries, too, because that's one of the things I'm really curious about. I mean, none of these players have ever really done anything like this, right? Like, they, no. they work out all winter and trying to get up. And then, as you mentioned, they did already ramp up getting to a season. Do you think there will be more of a risk for injuries whenever baseball resumes this season? I, I think I think uh, if, if they try to, uh, to uh, do this thing too quickly... Uh, yes, I really do. Uh, it, it, it's not very hard to, uh, to pull a muscle, uh, running, uh, it, it's not too hard. It's not too hard for a pitcher to, uh, try to get ready quick and, and hurt, hurt his shoulder, hurt his elbow. So I, I would say, yes, the risk of, of, of trying to get started too quick, uh, will create a lot of problems injury wise. No question about it. Yeah, for sure. And whenever the season does start, I mean, we're looking at a shortened season no matter what. Uh, it's yes. obviously not going to be 162 games. So how would you go about planning for or participating in a shortened season? And how much different would that be compared to you know the marathon that is a regular 162-game season? Well, yeah, it's, it's going to be a sprint instead of a – a distance race. There's no question about it. Um, you got, you know, you, you, don't, you don't have much time uh, to make up ground. So you, you, you know, you, 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 you've got to get your team ready and, and hopefully get them off to a good start. Because if you fall behind early, you're not going to have time to make up ground, no matter how good your team is. But uh, that's why I say younger teams, I think have a little bit of an advantage here because uh, these teams can get in shape much quicker and, and, the older the older teams, it's going to take them a little longer to do it. But um, uh, yeah, you, you need to you need to get off to a good start. I mean, if you if you want to uh, worry about getting in the postseason and, and and so forth with the with the shortened schedule, there's no question about that. And to do so too, I mean, we're looking at probably no fans in games, regardless of in Arizona or tough Florida. Tough situation. Really, yeah. really tough. Really tough. It really is. I mean, probably more good for base. I mean, for television than anything else. But uh, I'm telling you, it, it's got to be tough. These 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 kids are, uh, are 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 professionals, and they're used to playing in front of 30, 40, 50 thousand people in the ballpark, and they get the adrenaline up. And to play uh, in an empty stadium, it, it's got to be very very tough. It really is. It's almost like you're. You're playing in a in a in a in a in a modified spring training game. All right, Tony. We heard Sweet Lou. He said it's going to be like a modified spring training in essence. And you know, when they say there's all these young guys out there in the league, they always say that youth is wasted on the young. So it really makes me wonder all the starting and stopping, and you know, the, the just the, the pause and and then fast forward when it comes to the season. The younger teams, the younger players, I wonder if they're going to benefit just that much more just because, you know, when you're younger and baseball, as we know, is a young man's game, although there are some, you know, some quality older players out there. It just seems as if when you're a little bit younger, when you're a little more loose, a little more flexible, it's easier to, to start and stop and get things going at the drop of a hat as opposed to guys who are, you know, 
32, 35, 37 for that matter. Yeah, I mean, I, I can even speak to that personally. I feel like the, the day I turned 30, I started having a bunch of like physical issues, you know, get plantar fasciitis and a bunch of things that it's like all of a sudden, like what, what happened? I, I just got out of bed and my neck hurts for three days. Like, you know, things like that. And the Cubs, that's where there's the benefit, right? Is they have a, a young group of of core position players. I, they're not as young as they were when they won the World Series or were first coming up for sure. But, you know, most of the guys that play every single day are sub 30, you know, and then you got like Rizzo and Hayward who don't turn 31 until August. So there, there is a little bit of an advantage there. And, and I do agree with you and with Lou Pinella saying, you know, young guys are going to be able to get ready faster in this abbreviated spring training 2.0. And they should be able to handle this this weird period where they had a winter and then they had a, a you know pseudo spring training for five weeks or so. And then they're shut down for a couple of months. And then you, they have to have spring training 2.0 and then a half a season. So I do think younger guys are in a, at an advantage. The only question with the Cubs is the pitching staff. Last season, they had the oldest pitching staff in Major League Baseball. This year, they've gotten rid of some of those guys. I mean, getting rid of Cole Hamels helps for sure. And they've added, you know, some of the younger arms. But, of course, everybody else on that roster got a year older. Lester's 36. Darvish is going to be 34. I, I'm just wondering how the age on the pitching staff in specific is going to come into play. You know, I, I was talking with Ryan Sweeney during commercial break during Cubs 360 the other day. And, you know, we, we, were, we were just talking about the season, how it slowed down so fast. And, you know, it could just come back just like that, the drop of a hat. And, you know, all these guys talking about, well, they have to get ready and this and that and the other. But when it comes to getting ready, don't you think that most of these players, you know, they have the facilities, at least at their home, where they could stay ready. They have a mound. They have, a, you know, a tee. They have a net to, to hit into. They can still stay sharp. Because after all, Tony, I mean, as you know, as well as I do, training is 365 days a year for these guys. It's not like back in you know, in the 40s and 50s when, you know, when they would get off and as soon as they were done, they'd have an you know, adult beverage and a, and a, and a <laughs> no filter lucky strike in one hand. It's, it's different. These guys train all year round. And if they can't know when baseball's coming back, I would imagine that the large bulk of players, not only on the Cubs, but on, on every single team, they would have stayed ready. Whether it's like Ian Happ and the guys out there in the compound or whether it's like, you know, other guys when they retreat to their, their homeland. I know I saw Kenley Jansen you know, he's been on a boat, but he's been in Curacao working things out. And I'm sure it goes the same. I know Javi's back, been back in Puerto Rico. These guys just stay ready. It's 2020 and it, the game has changed just that much more. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, you know, we've seen Jason Kipnis was on the stadium and, uh, you know, last month and talking about how he's working out in North side and, and North suburbs of Chicago and in the cage all the time. And, so on, but I, you know, there's no substitute for the competitive fire. Like your whole body hitting in the cage is one thing, hitting off live pitching is another. Throwing off a mound is one thing, throwing against live hitters is a completely different facet. You know, sprinting from from home to first is quite a bit different when you have the adrenaline pumping and so on. So I think that will come into play, and and that's the thing too. I mean, we we don't know how long this this second spring training is going to be. You know, obviously. Yeah. We are very hopeful that there's going to be a season. There's going to have to be some sort of ramp up. Um, but I mean, if, if it, there might only be time for three weeks and, and that might be not enough time for these guys to really get up to speed. Are, are we going to see things like more openers because starting pitchers aren't going to be able to go six innings right off the bat? Are we going to see guys, you know, 
play one game and then sit the next day as the even as the regular season goes just to make sure that they're healthy and then if the universal dh is in there i think teams especially like the cubs can get so creative where you can give a guy like chris bryant or javi baez a half day off not have him play in the field joe madden talked all the time about just getting guys off their legs for half a game and and standing around in the field and how much that wears on guys I, i feel like there will be little ways that david ross can help the cubs ensure that those first three, four weeks of whatever shortened season we have, everybody gets healthy until they can really, you know, put the pedal to the metal and get going. You know, you talked about the competitive drive of, you know, guys just being in the batter's box against, you know, an opposing pitcher. That's where I think things really are magnified because when you're, when you're out there and you're playing and you're competing, you know, as a guy who's, who's made it all the way to the pinnacle of the game, you know, then the no fans things comes in. And, and I think that, you know, everyone's saying, well, no fans in the stands. That's going to take away from the product of the game. At the end of the day, all these guys are competitors. I'm not, I don't think that I mean, maybe it gives you a little bit of a nudge, a push when you're out there trying to, trying to ball out. But these guys, and you've heard it so many times, they're going back to college. They're going back to Little League when they played with no fans in the stands. And they just played because they loved the game. And I think their competitive edge is going to drive them to get the best out of each and every single player because it's, it's a little bit different. When, when you see fans in the stands – do these guys play for them? Essentially, yes, but they're playing to go out there and compete and win games for their squad. And when they see an opposing pitcher out there from another another team, they're not going to be like, well, I wish I sure had some fans in the stands to, to drive me just that much more. Yeah, I think it's going to be weird for sure. You know, um, definitely odd at first. And, you know, I talked to, like you mentioned, Ryan Sweeney, and I talked to Sean Marshall too. And Marshall actually pitched in a game at AAA Iowa when he was coming up in the Cubs system where there were no fans because Des Moines, Iowa had a, a bad rainstorm and there was some flooding in the area. So they, they just played the game. Uh, the field, I guess, was was available, but they didn't want to get fans in there. And he said it was weird. It was just a very surreal type of atmosphere. That game really stands out in his memory. And it is going to be really weird for these guys at first. They're used to feeling more comfortable in front of 40,000 people. I, Sweeney mentioned as much in a conversation I had with him recently too, that he's more comfortable playing baseball in front of 40,000 people than getting up in a room and talking in front of 20 or something, because that's just what these guys do. So it, it's going to take an adjustment period, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, it, it's going to be there. They know that there's only going to be say an 82 game season. You're going to have half as many games as normal to try to get into the playoffs, which means every game is is probably twice as important as it normally will be. And I'm really excited to see what kind of level of access we're going to get or or have some fun. You know, I mean, Javi's supposedly always talking out on the field. We don't really get that opportunity when there are 40,000 people in Wrigley all talking. And there's the hum and the buzz. Maybe we're going to hear some Javi on, on a marquee broadcast or, you know, hear chatter between the a pitcher and a catcher or outfielders calling for the ball like there's cool little ways of access and so on that a different unique style of baseball that we can watch without fans and yeah it's not going to be this, this perfect thing but I think it could be a really interesting brand of baseball yeah that could be where the curtain is peeled back just a little bit I don't know if you've had the chance you know over the last few weekends to, to watch the UFC and their coverage, but they've done it in empty arenas. I mean, I mean, you hear Daniel Cormier on the sideline, you know, giving his play-by-play, and some of the fighters have actually, you know, taken that to heart. You know, D- Daniel Cormier, world champion. When they hear him say, "Well, they need, he needs he needs to do more of this and less of that," they, they 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 take that to heart. And maybe you know, if you're sitting there listening to a game, and you know, you hear David Ross out, out there, you know, talking to Kyle Hendricks, and the hitter hears that, 
adjustments can be made. And I think that's more of a cat and mouse game, more of a more of a, a chess like matchup, because you know where those guys are going. If they need to hit an outside spot or if they need to bust a, a hitter inside, if he knows it's coming inside, then he can sit up and, and have a whole different approach. And I just think that with with no fans in the stands, even though it will be different, it will be somewhat unorthodox. I still think it could lend to some really intense baseball games like we've seen over in the KBO. I mean, there's been some solid baseball games. I don't know if you stay up as late as I do watching those games, but you know, I find myself like, man, is, is this where we're at right now? But if, in order for me to watch live baseball, sometimes you know, I have to stay up till 3.30 in the morning. It is what it is. Yeah, no, I hear you. I haven't watched too many of those games, to be honest. I've, uh, I've really been keeping to a similar schedule, uh, the same sleep schedule and so on during quarantine. But come on, come on, Tony. That sounds that's soft, man. <laughs> it kind of is, to be honest. I, I don't know, man. I it's not it's not the same. I've seen the highlights and stuff and it's cool, but it I just don't have the same level of like fandom or emotional attachment to that. So it, it's just not, you know, I, I just I want Major League Baseball back and and hopefully it will be. And you know, there is a lot of hope for that. The one thing though, like you were mentioning with the level of access or or Uh, hearing people like David Ross or whoever come out and and talk to people. The one thing I would miss is Lou Pinella managing anywhere. Can you imagine him without fans and the roar of a crowd going out there and arguing with an umpire and being able to hear almost all of that conversation like he's mic'd up? That would have been incredible. Yeah. I mean, how how different, though, are those arguments going to be? I mean, you can't get toe-to-toe. There's going to be no Lou Pinellas. There's going to be no Earl Weavers. There's going to be none of that. I mean, all, you know, you know, nose to nose with with Angel Hernandez or whoever the umpire at home plate is at the time. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how some of these these managers, you know, maybe how they augment, how they change their managerial style. I mean, for David Ross, it'll be a, a little easier because it's his first year. I, I know that, it, it, like we like like Lou said, it'll be like an extended spring training all year long. So maybe that that could be a pro for David Ross, and it, and it could be a con because I know that all the preparation that goes into a 162 game season and for him to have everything stop at the very beginning, you know, before the season even gets underway and the, the setback, the roadblock that he had where he got sick and missed a game. I mean, that was, you know, a, a enough for him to not be able to be there. I'm, and that I'm, when, he, when he looked at his blueprint for the season, he I'm sure did not have an off day because of sickness penciled in for himself. <laughs> No, that that's so true. And it, it's funny. I mean, that feels like a lifetime ago that that happened. Doesn't it? Yeah, it, it really does. So um, I can't believe that that was only a couple months ago. But yeah, it was, you know, very inauspicious start to his managerial career. But I, I think you bring up a great point, Cole. David Ross going into his first year, it's really, it's a fascinating look at managerial tactics and strategy because it's going to be such a different year. It's going to be a year unlike any other we've ever seen. I mean, we already mentioned this is the first Memorial Day without baseball in since 1880. I mean, I, I, I'm i not the, a math major, so that's a really long time, hundreds over 100 years. But like we're talking DH in the National League for the first time ever, potentially, you know, playing in front of no fans, all these different awkward, quirky aspects of it all. But the good news for David Ross is he doesn't have a way of managing with 162 games or no DH, or so on. Like, he has never done this before. So in some ways, there's a school of thought that you can think maybe he would be easier to adjust to all these things because he doesn't have the the Terry Francona and the Joe Madden who have been doing this for longer than I've been alive or, or, or close to it, you know, like trying to figure out 
what they what they do, how they handle pitchers in June, how they handle pitchers with the All-Star break coming in July, how they handle position players in, in August and September. Everything's going to be a little different. And like we said, these games are going to be magnified to such a level that every game is going to have a playoff type atmosphere and mindset. So I think that there could be like even more excitement added into this season with that. So, I, I mean, David Ross will certainly be somebody to watch this season and, and to see how he manages it all. Uh, but I think that would be fascinating because he doesn't have those, those um, he, he's not set in his ways at all because of the fact that he hasn't managed before this. Yeah, you know, we talked about the younger players that, you know, may be at an advantage, you know, when it comes to the season bouncing back. But, you know, you said quirky, you said awkward when it comes to 2020 and the season that that will unfold hopefully sooner rather than later tone. But, you know, when, when it comes to the injury risk, given the guys have stopped and started and stopped and started again, it, do you think that there's going to be a major factor there when it comes to guys, you know, not being as fresh or, or maybe the muscles not having that that callus attached to them yet? because they haven't been in a regular season. I mean, you look at where we'd be in the year right now, they already have a whole bunch of starts under their belts for the pitchers and, and everybody that needs to get, whether it's you know the callus on your hand, the literal callus as a hitter that maybe now has, has gone away and that you're trying to get it back. I, I just feel like the injury risk, there, there could be a, a little bit more. It could be ratcheted up just to taste the season. Yeah, it might be. And, and, like we talked about with a shortened season, I mean, if you get injured and you go on the 15 day injured list, DL, whatever you want to call it now, like it, that's, that's a longer portion of the season, a higher percentage than it would normally be. So it is definitely a concern. I mean, obviously major league baseball is going to do everything they can to try to make sure that these players are healthy and that the injury risk is as low as it could possibly be. But I always remember like John Lackey used to say it and Lester says it all the time that he, he finally feels like he really gets in a rhythm around 75 innings or 100 innings in a season because these guys are used to going 200 innings a year. They're used to their preparing their body and their arm for that. And that obviously won't take place. I mean, no guy's going to come even close to 200 innings in this shortened season. So I, I wonder like how quick they'd be able to get into rhythm and, and how they would um, their body would adjust to that. I mean, Lester is a great example in a, in a curious you know kind of case study with this because he's in his age 36 season and he looked great in spring training. I mean, we saw him Cole, like he yep. shed weight. He, he looked really good. And, you know, un unfortunately for him that happened and then the shutdown has gone on, but if he's able to, to maintain um, that level of physicality that he was at before, actually maybe it'll benefit him because age 36, like he won't have the same mileage on his arm come mid August that he would have normally. So maybe there'll be a good thing when you look at a guy like Lester, for example. Well, you know, it's it's funny because with the shortened season, you know, those guys that you talked about that feel like they really get in a groove, you know, 75 innings in, they're not going to have that luxury. So it's 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 going to be, behoove everybody to go out there and get off to a quick start. So, Tony, what do you think? Do you think that the Cubs are better positioned right now in 2020 to get off to that quick start? Or are they going to be one of those teams that's going to be playing catch up? You know, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's a situation where, these guys, especially with, with Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo going one and two, I feel like that's going to help jumpstart this offense. I mean, when, when you can go out there and throw your two best sticks at one and two, and then it, it, it just falls into line. Why, why not give it your best foot forward? And that's what David Ross you know, has you know, all intentions of doing. And I think that will help this team get off to a quick start, even if some of the pitching needs a few extra innings to really get going. 
Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%, Cole. I, I love the fact that Bryant, Rizzo, Javi, one, two, three. I mean, talk about getting off to a hot start in the season. I mean, game one, you got those three guys hitting in the first inning, potentially before your your pitcher even um, you know comes up. If you're the if the if you're the road team here, you could have a lead before your first pitcher goes out and, and throws the first pitch of the shortened season. So I love that aspect. I think it sends a great message to the team that they got to go get after it. And, and I think the team knows that, you know, I mean, Theo, Theo Epstein put the, the onus on the players to really go out and get it, that the championship window has a year plus whatever we get out of this season plus next year before all of these guys that we're talking about start approaching free agency. And um, Lester only is under contract through this year with an option for next year. And so th- there's, there is a, there's already a sense of urgency for this team coming into 2020. So I think they will be able to maintain that. And then I think this is where all of their playoff experience from the past few years really can help out. They, they know that every game, every day, it's going to be a playoff push. Just like last year, the Cubs knew they had to come out hot out of the all-star break and they did just that. And, and so I think they'll, They'll know that. And and who better to lead that than David Ross, the guy that helped them understand the, the, the importance of every game, the importance of getting out to quick starts like they did in 2016 when they were off to that record hot start at 25 and six or whatever it was. And, you know, ended up coasting to the National League Central title. So I, I do think that the Cubs are very well positioned with all their experience and with, like you said, the the, the tone that Ross sent immediately by putting Bryant and Rizzo one, two in the lineup. Tony, we've seen the parameters of baseball's return. You know, we, we've seen the, the the potential June 10th spring training part two date set. We've seen the, the first week in July. Every team is hoping to play at their home stadium with no fans in attendance. What, what do you say, man? How, how much closer do you think we really are to getting back to somewhat when it comes to, to a sense of normalcy? Are we are we closer or are we a little bit further away than most people have thought? Because, I mean, just two, three weeks ago, it seemed like there was – there was no chance. I mean, it didn't look like anything was going to be open until until August. And now seem, it, it seems as if things are, are loosening up just a little bit every single day. It's a great question. I, to be honest, I don't know. I don't know how close we are. And, you know, we've seen Major League Baseball and then the Players Association have been discussing how, how to make this possible. And uh, paramount issues with that are, you know, player salary and and how to keep players safe and how to keep the the other people and players lives safe. If they have family members or, you know, wives, children, parents that they would like to see during the season, how would they keep them safe if they were to, to contract the coronavirus from via playing? And, and you know what, like it's, there's a lot of risk there. So I think player safety is a huge issue. I don't know how all the logistics of it will work, I mean, June 10th, we're talking, you know, a little over two weeks away here from when we're recording this podcast to, to get to June 10th. Like that's, that's tough. I, I, it's hard to, it's hard to see that as like the start of spring training, but man, I hope so. Like, I I hope there are games at Wrigley Field this year. I I hope baseball comes back and that sense of normalcy that you said, I mean, I feel like baseball is just such a huge aspect of my life that like it, it, it doesn't, I feel like I'm sleepwalking without like a baseball or without games at Wrigley Field it just feels so odd yeah well maybe you need to sleepwalk and watch a few more of those KBO games since baseball is such a huge part <laughs> no, I'm just kidding Tony I'm just kidding but like you know like we said with the KBO though I mean that hopefully provides a blueprint for what we've seen in the in the Korean baseball organization and hopefully what we will be able to see with Major League Baseball because like like you said and I feel the exact same way 
you know, baseball is such a huge part of our lives and it, it's, it's an everyday occurrence, especially in the summertime and Memorial day marks the summer. And right now there's no baseball as far as major league baseball is, is as far as that goes. So, you know, hopefully we can get back to that sense of normalcy and, and baseball can return, you know, albeit with no fans, you know, hopefully Wrigleyville and, and all the parameters around 1060 West Addison will loosen up. So there will still be that game day feel, although there won't be any fans in the stands. And, you know, like I said, you know, with Memorial Day being the signification of summer and there being no baseball, did, did you have anything good to eat over Memorial Day weekend, Tone? Anything good to drink? What'd you have, man? Yeah, so uh, so ribs were on sale at the grocery store. Buy one, get two free. So I grilled up some ribs. And um, on, first time I'd done it without – I usually, like, boil them a bit. It was a trick my mom taught me. Like, you boil the ribs a bit, and then you throw them on the grill, and then they're, like, fall off the bone. So I didn't do that here. So they were a little tough, but, like, man, they were really tasty. So I, I ate my heart out from, from, on some ribs this weekend. You know, I'm going to give you a quick rib uh, pointer. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, if you don't feel like firing up a grill and you have a little extra time, I thought my mom was nuts when she told me this. But she's like, she came home, you know, over one day and was like, hey, let's have these ribs uh, in the crock pot with a, with a can of Coke. So you cook these ribs in the crock pot with a can of Coke. Like you cut up some onions and put a little barbecue sauce and a can of Coke in there. And like eight and a half hours later, I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty magnificent. So, I mean, if you have the eight extra hours and you, you feel like running out and you have a crock pot at your disposal, I, I recommend just trying it. Just, just because if you don't feel like firing up the grill, you don't have to. All right. Two questions, Cole. One, is that how your mom really sounds? It is. It is how my mom <laughs> sounds. <laughs> and she always like, I don't sound like that. Come on. Are you serious? But she, she really kind of does sound like that. So yeah, that's awesome. Uh, she has the extra Chicago accent, which I mean, that's, that's never going to go away. And it's funny because my mother-in-law is from Louisiana, and you know, when when I, when I do her voice, I make her sound like she's extra Louisiana. And when my wife does my mom's voice, they make her sound like she's from like Fargo. I'm like, my mom doesn't have an <laughs> accent like that. So let's let's take it easy. But either way, man, o always a pleasure catching up with you, Tony, especially over the holiday weekend. And uh, as always, thanks to everyone out there listening right here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, exclusive home of Cubs Checking, featuring free ATMs nationwide. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. And make a note, remember to subscribe and download wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. For Tony Andracki, I'm Cole Wright. Until next Tuesday, make it a great week, everybody. See you then.